Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favorite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalized bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello, welcome to the 45th edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. I'm Michael Bailey, I'm The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent, and I, of course, hope this podcast finds you safe and well. On the way, free the Bournemouth too, but not for free, Zimbo's turning circle, and question time. We will dissect all this and more with our guests this evening, Norwich number wang chief at NCFC Numbers, otherwise known as our own Steve Sanders. Hi, Michael. And Norwich fan, ground hopper and assistant editor at Footy Magazine when Saturday comes, Fionn Thomas. Hello, Michael. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, how are we? Steve, your second pod of the, uh, of the season. Brilliant. <laughs> second pod, yeah, yeah. Um, a little bit jealous of, uh, of the weekend weather that you managed to get down in Bournemouth because uh, it, it wasn't so nice up here. But um, yeah, sorry, I'm into the weather chat already. So um, Yeah, yeah, it's going to yeah. be one of those. Um, I've that very well. Good stuff. Uh, a completely useless anecdote. I bought a big ski coat before the weekend. I didn't have a coat. I'm like, I'm going to need a coat. I took it with me, left it in the car because it was so beautiful. Sat in the stand where there was no sun and it was really cold. <laughs> I really wished I'd had my coat. There you go. That's uh, But you don't really expect that from the end of September, October. Fionn, how are you? Did you, did you enjoy the Norfolk weather at the weekend? Uh, I was actually down in near Bournemouth on Saturday anyway doing my football stupid football adventures wow. so yeah I followed the nice weather as well and uh, and got away from all the wind and rain up this way and I noticed um Daniel Falk was wearing his big coat on Sunday he was he was so, and he, he quite premature he was particularly vocal he, he was bawling it I could hear and I, I hope you're you would have documented your weekend's adventures on your Instagram uh I did yes Love it. Indeed. You should all give Fionn's, uh, Fionn's Instagram a follow because um, it involves all of world football, basically. Places you should go and find her as well. Let's crack on, shall we? I think with this week's podcast, starting with, of course, our headline act. Full of energy, that sting. Full of energy. Um, I didn't want to get stuck into transfer talk every week. Um, it, we even had that chat with my editor before the weekend thinking, well, I don't really want to do a piece on Ben Godfrey because, you know, we, we did a bit after the Huddersfield game on how the old crown jewels are getting on. It is literally unavoidable because stuff keeps happening. And, you know, it was a, quite a live, trying to drive down to Bournemouth on your own when all stuff is kicking off around you is not an easy task, I can tell you. Emmy Brendier and Todd Campbell were left out of the squad on Sunday, just in case anyone missed that. Uh, you can read my piece on that, including how Daniel Farker answered my questions on the pair in his post-match press conference, along with my letter penned to Barcelona regarding Max Aaron's last week. I'm yet to receive a reply, by the way. Uh, that's all on The Athletic, and uh, you can start a subscription for a best-ever deal of £1 per month for a limited time right now. Just head to theathletic.com forward slash UK subscribe. Steve, I'll come to you first. How, how are we feeling about the, uh, the Bournemouth 2, as I've dubbed them? 
Well, I've had a bit of time to digest it since yesterday. I mean, first of all, what an interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> having read, do read Michael's piece, by the way, because, um, yeah, you, what Farker says is, is quite incredible, I think. It's difficult because we're, we're doing a lot of reading between the lines. You feel like they've had their heads turned, the two of them, because, quite honestly, they're too good to leave out of the squad. I appreciate that Farker is a, is a principled uh, manager. We've seen him do it before with Nelson Oliveira. If if a player is um, not 100% behind the team, he will leave them out. And I completely respect that. Um, but? but I, yeah, there, <laughs> there is a but coming. But I, I, I mean, and we will get on to the, the nuts and bolts of the performance yesterday, I'm sure. Um, the, the issue for him was that we were absolutely lacking what um, Todd and Emmy would have brought us, undoubtedly. And I think that maybe played into some of his comments a little bit. And I did feel like there was a little bit of rabble-rousing kind of singing to the choir. I mean, I, I, there's one bit in particular which I made a note of where he said, these players owe a lot to their clubs and this club makes sure that they can lead such a privileged life. Our supporters are crucial to that, buying their tickets, shirts, paying for, for the broadcast following them. And that to me seemed like, uh, I'm going to get the fans on side here. And it almost felt like he was playing Todd and Emmy off against them a little bit. I don't know what Fion thinks, but I, I, it, it, I worry now. I worry with the, with the relationship between the manager and those two. Fion? It was all a bit dramatic as well. I don't think it helped that it all kicked off on the morning of the game, um, which was Again. the same that happened with the whole Max Barcelona thing. I don't, I don't know if that's deliberate or coincidental, but it doesn't really help. And then it means everyone's waiting for this big, big post-match interview. I think you can you can just tell how frustrated Fark is because I think if one or both of them had been playing, we win that game yesterday because we were we were lacking, you know, those, those sort of balls to be played through that, that they can do through to Puki. I mean, he obviously he worked hard and he was making the runs all game, um, as far as I could tell from the, the eye-follow camera angles, which are not always helpful for telling that. <laughs> but it just wasn't, it, it, it wasn't clicking in that sort of, that sort of space in between, um, which is where they where we need them. And so I think Fark is just so frustrated that this is going on when if if they you know they they could be playing, they're still our players, they're still contracted to us, like Max is, and they could be playing and we could we could have got three points yesterday. So yeah, I think it's all just it's all just come out with that and you could tell, you know, when it, when he when he starts doing mild swear words in his post match interview, I think he said bloody transfer window, you can tell <laughs> He, that, that, he doesn't usually do that. So I think I think that was quite telling as well. Really? I mean, it is probably... It's not very often that Daniel Farker has started with a side that didn't include a, uh, someone you would consider a number 10. When you think in his first season, he had Alex Pritchard, James Madison, uh, Wesley Houlihan, and I know I'm forgetting someone as well. Even Stephen Naismith, because I think he brought that up as well when he when uh, when I chatted with him a few a few weeks ago. So um, just from that point on, he's always had a plethora of of really creative playmakers, um, and they've kind of been a focal point of, of the way he plays. So um, that is there is a, probably a greater debate in terms of playing with a couple of wingers and trying to cross the ball when you've still only got Timu Puki as your striker, um, at, at least as your, as your starting lineup. I mean, it's interesting. I got the impression that with Max Ahrens and Barcelona, that that emerged because there was a bit of pressure coming out and, you know, let's see how Max reacts to this. I actually think Todd had already been dropped on Saturday and I would imagine the agent was like, right, I need to 
make sure we take control of this narrative. Let's link him to Leeds. And, and obviously that, that, that came up as it, as it did. Um, it's worth reiterating there have been no bids for, for the players or, or anyone else. I think there was a bit of speculation about Everton and Fulham, but I, I don't, uh, in terms of Ben Godfrey, but I don't think that's anywhere um, particularly forward at, at the moment. And it does all kind of does play into this issue as, as to what kind of happens now, you know, in a, in a normal situation. And Daniel Farker has done this before. You wait, Steve, don't you, for the reaction in training this week. The players go, oh, gosh, you know what? I've got, I've got to step up here. So they kick on. They do really well in training. Daniel arrives. He puts them in his 18, probably in their 11, in these 11. Off they go. They play really well. Daniel says, I was being delighted with their reaction in training and everyone's really happy. Um, and then there's probably the other possibility, whereas it doesn't quite work like that. And they're like, well, screw you, Gaffer. I need to get out. Although I've never really come across two players trying to force a move when they've got nowhere to go. Oh, no, and I, and I think that there doesn't have to be a villain in this piece. This kind of thing happens, right? You know, we, we are now a championship club. There are going to be bigger clubs coming in for our players and they might get their heads turned. You know, it, it, it happens in football. And I think Farker's stance is absolutely right. He's in, perfectly entitled to say, if you're not 100% um, behind it this week, behind us this week, then I will pick someone else. Fine. Um, obviously, the team has suffered for that. But I, I don't think, you know, I've seen quite a bit of animosity, particularly towards Todd Camp, which I don't really understand because ultimately, if, if he wants to play at a higher level, that's up to him. And uh, unfortunately, it may have cost us yesterday had he been playing we may have got something out of it, as Fionn says, we may even have won the game. But I, 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 do, I, I do feel that players like Todd Campbell and Emmy Buendia, you know, it's a short career. You've got to do what's best for you. I, I'd love them to be loyal. I'd love them to stay. But I don't think we should expect that of them. And if, if they are hearing that there's interest in them, then it's only natural maybe that they would want to avoid getting injured. If they have their hearts set on a Premier League move, I honestly would wish them all the best. It's, it's the one thing I'm going to say. We've we're actually only really dealing in one side of the story here. And if if exactly. we sud- if yeah, we yeah. suddenly whipped up uh, Emmy Buendia and, and Todd Cantwell on this podcast, which fairly unlikely, but you know we we've still got time tonight. Um, you know, it would be interesting to hear what they would see and and how 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 they would kind of view the whole situation. So th- th- there's that to play out. I, I was speaking to someone about this earlier today. Actually, it's. There is a difference, really, I guess, in between you have Emmy Buendia, where you have his song that has a line in it, please don't take my Emmy away. And yet, and it's almost like we, we've got to keep hold of this player because we've done so well to find him. Uh, yet Todd Cantwell sort of was here anyway. and We brought him up and, he, you know, he's quite assured, assured of himself. So actually, he's just one of our own. So, you know, might as well treat him as if we own a little bit of him. And, you know, if, if something goes wrong, we're we can slag him off a little bit which I guess when it plays out in social media Fion it's it's never ideal either is it but um what would you sort of take a punt on this uh, resolving this week or even over the international break because let's remember both transfer windows domestically and and uh, internationally end before Norwich then head to Rotherham at the end of the international break it sort of feels like maybe it's kind of Certainly, with the Todd thing, is is maybe it's it's being pushed very much in that direction. Um, you can't blame him for wanting to go. You know, he's proved himself to be good enough to play in the Premier League. But then, you know, the counter argument is that uh, you know he was in a Norwich City team that that got him in the Premier League. Um, but you know, I don't think he necessarily owes us anything. But what he, I mean, but that's but in terms of for his contract now, he's a Norwich player, and and if he is sort of sort of not on it in training 
then okay, that's what he does owe us until the point where he's no longer a Norwich City player. It's Leeds. I mean, maybe people are sort of struggling a bit because people view us on the same level. But I mean, they've they've had a really good start to the Premier League season. Um, you can see the attraction of working with Bielsa. So you know, it's it's an attractive move for him. I mean, he may consider that he should be working hard in training because Bielsa might have someone in the hedge with binoculars. Um, right. And the other problem, well, the problem for, for Todd and Emmy, I suppose, is, is Max Ahrens because Farker can literally, and, and did in, in the, the uh, interview you had with you, Michael, point to Max Ahrens and go, well, the, you know, Barcelona were after this guy a week ago. And, and he's basically played like, like that never happened, um, which, you know, I suppose from a supporter's point of view, from a manager's point of view, and from the club's point of view, is absolutely exemplary. So by comparison, they're not shone in such a good light i suppose um i it suddenly started to dawn on me that say you know someone chucks in a load of money at um at ben godfrey so you have to sell him no one comes in for max or todd well i uh, sorry uh, emmy and todd and what i would say about max he did play really well he's definitely taking responsibility but he was frustrated with his teammates on sunday he, he was yes. looking at onel hernandez and being like what you're doing and Lucas Rook occasionally giving the ball away and mm. you know I think there's a bit of him that is like look this is going to get frustrating if we're not at a level where we're challenging this season so it's a really difficult situation he's a young lad and there's a lot going on but just the point of which you've sold Ben Max is frustrated and Emmy and Todd are sulking not really conducive to a promotion push <laughs> between now and January so we will see um, I'm going to call it there because I think um, we're probably going to come back to this situation probably next week so we will see where we are then hey what was the worst that could happen harry's sponsors on the ball a podcast brought to you by the athletic harry's was founded by jeff and andy two ordinary guys who are sick and tired of overpriced razors jeff and andy knew there was only one way to ensure quality so they bought their own factory and now by taking less profit harry's offers great quality products for a fair price their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five blade brand harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close comfortable shave weighted ergonomic handle five precision engineered blades rich lathering shave gel and travel blade cover that's worth saying at this point i have got one of these packs and it is fantastic i i do also have a beard as you'll know but i do like to trim around it and i have to say my neck has never felt so good as a listener of On The Ball, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash on the ball right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com forward slash on the ball. This is my favorite section of the podcast. Things we are not going to discuss. These are the things that we really do have a duty to bring up, but really don't know if I could be bothered to talk about them a lot, um, which is probably a dereliction of my own duty, but it's good fun. What have I got here? At Norwich, of course, lost at Bournemouth, you know, through all of the malaise and the chatter. Um, it was their first defeat of the league season, of course, their second of, of the competitive campaign. In fact, Norwich have only spent about eight minutes ahead this season so far, which was at the end of the Huddersfield game. We did ask last week, I think we discussed it, me and Ben, whether Norwich had actually played well yet this season. Of course, Daniel Farker said this was their best performance so far this season, Steve? Uh, yeah, I, th I think I 
I sort of thought that before we said it, actually, because I wasn't particularly impressed with the Tanais in the first two league games. They weren't great, but they probably deserve something from it against a decent side. So on that basis, yeah, I mean, we don't want to talk about it, but um, I did no. think they were, were okay, actually, yeah. I thought Bournemouth defended quite well, um, mm. but, you know, without maybe conceding the goal, um, which obviously alters the dynamic hugely, um, that was probably the killer. It was a good goal, wasn't it, Fionn? Yeah, it was a good goal. Yeah, he played really well, Danjuma. I think we, we really struggled to handle him down that wing. And yeah, maybe Zimmerman could have been a bit closer, but he was just so quick and he knew exactly where he was putting it and it was right in the corner. Um, so yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too annoyed at the goal. Um, it was, it was you know, more that we didn't really do enough to, to sort of get back into the game um, that way. But I mean, it was actually the first time I've probably watched us this season I've only watched highlights before because I've been out and about on the other Saturdays and I, yeah I thought we played all right um it was just a, the sort of frustration that sort of putting in crosses to no one overhitting crosses um we didn't really have any of those sort of big chances that that you want to get Pookie on the end of really I agree with that also Tim Krull did have to make about three really really good saves whereas Begovic's couple of saves you know all right but you'd expect him to make them um the one I mean maybe Ben Godfrey should be picking up uh Dunjuma at that point but I don't know if um that was by design or or, or error uh, I think there was a loss of possession from Kenny McLean in the build-up not that I really want to talk about that or this but Lucas Rupp and Kenny McLean um one of those two players wasn't very good on Sunday one of one of them wasn't so bad but I, I you know, social media reaction, you, you probably struggle to know which one was which. I, I, was, I was looking at the uh, the number of touches that they had, and I think um, McLean came off before Rupp did, but McLean had a ridiculously, he only touched the ball 46 times. I, I know this doesn't mean a lot to, to a lot of people, they won't care, but McLean only touched it 46 times, and Rupp 83, skip 87. So McLean was barely in the game, which just seems bizarre for a sentiment fielder. Oh, no, not if, you, not if you were watching it, Steve. <laughs> I thought, I thought <laughs> no, Kenny yeah. had a really tough time. And to be honest, it did remind me of the Kenny McLean from the championship season, which was a, yeah. you know, he, was play, he played regularly since January, but I remember constantly thinking, oh, he'll probably get dipped out now. <laughs> and he never did. And I, I don't know, he obviously played very well last season but that was in a team that was kind of malfunctioning all over the pitch. So I really actually don't want to talk about this because I think it's a tricky one on Kenny. <laughs> He'll have better games than that this season, definitely. I mean, oh, he, will get plenty, he will get more chances because um, Farker loves him and um, he has played a lot better than that. <laughs> you're, you're selling it. Uh, more penalties, Fion. More penalties. Definite pe- I mean, what do you think? We don't have to talk about it, don't forget. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, the the one there was one that was handball shout wasn't there, and after all the Premier League stuff this weekend, I really don't want to talk about that. Yes, uh, brilliant. That's fine. It is amusing to have VAR being discussed in the Premier League, and then just this kind of close your eyes and hope for the best attitude in the EFL, which is basically what it is. Um, and that's much better, by the way. Close your eyes and hope for the best. I'm delighted that we're back in that. Are world. you really? Oh, genuinely, oh, yeah. I you hate it. Any, Are you? Any no, day no. It's I can I can handle that. I can handle referees getting stuff wrong. What I don't enjoy is is the rules being applied to the letter of the law. It's just but, it's oh, the worst. I can't stand anything. And there's nothing worse than the referee just sort of continually running in a different direction, sort of going. Yeah, I'm just going to ride this out. Hopefully, they'll have forgotten in ten <laughs> seconds' time. Oh no! And you haven't even seen I what happened. It. I no. forgot what it was like. 
No, it's oh, I, I yeah, I had also forgotten what it was like. But there we go. I mean, it was interesting. You mentioned Daniel Farker's press conference. I think the four questions that were asked of people before me, they were all talking about penal- the penalty incidents, and I mean the handball possibly. Um, I don't think the Max Aaron's one is particularly, to be honest. The third kit came out. If anyone wants to watch a, a reveal video, I did one on my YouTube channel, which was um, that was that what, past. Was you three, in the third kit? That past three minutes. Yeah, I did. I put it on. <laughs> you gotta check well, that I'll out watch, steve that'll be the first thing i do on earth when i get off because i haven't like. haven't seen haven't yeah seen. you'll enjoy yeah, that so. uh, a- a- anyone got anything worthwhile to say about the third kit or care the badge is quite controversial apparently because they've taken the canary out of the crest and uh, and this has sparked a bit of debate about whether whether the canary should always have the castle and the line with it or or whether you can break them up um i think in terms of this kit, I really think if they had gone for black, pink and purple with a yellow and green badge on top, it would have been something quite horrific. Um, <laughs> I think in this instance, it's a good thing what they've done, but I'm not sure I want them to start doing it on the yellow and green home kit. So we'll see. Sacrosanct. We'll see what, where this leads us could be a dangerous path to go down. Sacrosanct, altering the crest. You know, it looked like a training kit. I think they've done it on the training kits before, so let's just keep it like that. Uh, we won't talk about that anyway. Uh, no more fans again. Um, we, we had a 1,000 fans at Carrow Road. Um, then come kickoff at Dean Court, I sat there thinking, oh, I missed the 1,000 fans because it just reminded me how, how rubbish it is when there's no one in there. Uh, Drummich and Leitner both played for the under-23s. We're definitely not talking about that because nothing's <laughs> changed. Um, but, you know, Josip Drummich is two for two. Um, and Moritz Leitner got some minutes in and is apparently, according to a story in PA Media from Nick Mashter, being linked with uh, three championship clubs. So there we go. Don't know any, anything about that myself, but I'm not talking about it. Um, Kieran Dowell, um, for those of you who listened last week, will have, um, will have heard me fear that he might be out for three months. Um, yeah, that, that happened. Um, that's a shame. <laughs> Not well, really much, actually, much to say about that. Actually, I, I do want to talk about that because I feel partly responsible when we were talking about which of the crown jewels would you most like to lose. I think I said Campwell because we are the best covered in his position, and clearly now we, <laughs> with Dowell injured and uh, Todd and Emmy kind of uh, on the sidelines. Yeah, I'm, I apologise to everyone for bringing that on. I wrote I wrote a piece at the end of last week saying um, here are all the options, you know. So yeah. don't don't worry. But you know, immediately Todd and Emmy, you can scratch those off and basically you're left Actually, with two wingers. Michael, I just just want to quickly do ask the question because you made this point on Twitter about Marco Stieperman. Um, do we know why he wasn't involved? Yes, um, that was my fourth question after asking Daniel about the other two. Wow. And basically, basically it was a selection. It was it was not fitness. He decided to leave him at home. Um, I think because he'd been struggling with his back issue, they probably felt that he didn't have to risk it necessarily, and it wanted to give Mario a go. And Josh Martin was both was back as well, and both can play in that. Although Josh can play, Josh tends to play wider. He can play in the ten as well. So I think that was basically what Daniel decided to to, to leave him out. But I'm sure Marco Stephen will be fe- featuring in a squad. Um, soon enough and it's again worth reiterating after this international break uh, the schedule gets pretty nuts between now and Christmas it's two games a week um, flat out and uh, I can't wait <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be relentless uh, and then finally on things we're not going to talk about um, Akin Fumewo has joined uh, Charlton on loan in League One which is uh, a great move it'll be really interesting to see how he gets on obviously a lot's been going on at Charlton uh, it seems quite exciting um, hopefully and in, in turning a corner and all that sort of stuff we will have to wait and see but great move for Akin Anything you two don't want to talk about? Max's scorpion kick to uh, save the ball from going out for a throw-in, which um, if he can take that to the 
to the new camp i'm sure they will uh, they will be amazed that yeah i thought that was really good actually and, and he, he did keep it in play you know it, it 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 sort of progressed away from the touchline so yeah well done max it was it was amazing he did keep rubbing his groin for the next 10 minutes i, I he it literally <laughs> did genuinely look like he was going to have to walk off because of that but it was it was was remarkable <laughs> Steve, I think if I if I tried that, that would have been game over for me. That would have yeah. been me hobbling off with a groin injury. Um, I was just going to mention uh, the third member of the midfield who we haven't talked about yet, um, Ollie Skip. Who um, I know people talking about the Huddersfield after the Huddersfield game. I didn't really see them, but I was really really impressed with them, particularly in the second half. Um, I think if we're looking for positives from yesterday's game, he was it. Um, I know he's not our player but we have got him for the rest of the year. And I think if he plays like that on a regular basis, he, he looked like he put absolutely everything into the game as well, which is really good to see. I think he's got, a, he's going to have a big season. Yeah, top stuff. I completely agree with that. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Let's get on to our centrefold for this week. Um, I figured rather than uh, talk about a particular subject, uh, we take your questions, dear listeners, and rattle through a few. So we've um, got quite a few, actually. So let's see uh, how we get on. Um, just put your hand up or shout if you want to take these on uh, particularly, Fionn and Steve, away you go. Right, first up from uh, Daniel Emery. Um, what do you all think Farker's thinking was behind the selection at Bournemouth with no creativity through the middle and a striker who doesn't typically do well from crosses, seem dot. I mean, it, it is interesting that we we had Anel Hernandez and Shemis uh, Fuerheta playing. And I guess the idea is that they get to the byline and cut the ball back. Neither of them really did that. And Tame Pukki was still a bit isolated, wasn't he, Fion? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was I was hoping that Fuerheta would would sort of get the chance to to sort of run at them down that down that line a bit more but it didn't really come off and yeah Pookie never really I mean Pookie was was all over the place you know running everywhere and, and chasing because I think that he could just sort of he was trying to make things happen and, and it wasn't coming in those usual ways that you you might have when you know that sort of wavelength that he and Emmy have got um so yeah, it was a bit. It felt a bit strange that we were sort of going down that route, and and as I said earlier, it felt like we were sort of overhitting a lot of crosses. Um, got a bit better when Hugel came on. Um, it felt like, uh, and Eda as well. Maybe if they'd been on um, from the start, if we were going to play that sort of way, that might have been more effective. Um, but yeah, I can see why uh, why Farker doesn't want to be sort of going like that from the start of the game. It feels like the end of Fark ball, this, doesn't it, really? I mean, it's completely at odds with the way we would normally finish a goal. Certainly two years ago when we were, um, if we were 1-0 down in a game, we, we wouldn't be lumping crosses in. Um, I, I did tweet about it yesterday that it's the most cross we've put in in the game since the draw against Reading at home, which was a, just a very much of, we were completely all over them in that game. So it was kind of a freak match. But um, I, I think this is a sea change now. Um, uh, I, I thought Onel was looked lively, but again, the issue was with his end product and um, oh, that's something we really need to get better and quickly. 
Um, Shane McGeary, uh, for me, it was another game, another productive performance by Lucas Rupp that resulted in him being singled out by fans for criticism. Question, is Rupp really worse than his in-game stats suggest, or is he just a victim of circumstance given our poor form in 2020, Steve? Um, well, he, <laughs> his stats weren't particularly brilliant, he, but he did complete five tackles, which I was quite surprised about. Um, someone did ask me before the game about what our record was like with Rupp, and it's not great. Um, we have now won two, drawn one, and lost ten of the games he's played. Now, I appreciate that he has been in at a time when we all everyone's played badly, regardless of who's been in the team. He didn't deserve to be singled out yesterday, but again, I was sort of left wondering what he had brought to the table. Um, here's one from Kyle Cumbers. Hello, Kyle. Uh, can you see Farker going to three at the back for Derby? He's changed to that system in the last two games quite early and it could get Gibson into the 11 without dropping Godfrey or Zimmerman. Also, as we may not have Wendy or Cantwell, it could allow Ida and Pookie to play together. Um, yeah, he moved. I'm pretty sure it was a bit fluid, but it, it did predominantly look like a back three from half time onwards on Saturday. And he obviously has changed that in the other two games, I think at some point as well. What do you reckon, Fionn? It would be nice to see Gibson. I would like to see him play. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know much about how Derby are playing at the moment. Um, I'm, I know they've been starting with Rooney in midfield and then sort of when they, when they went three nil down on Saturday, they sort of pushed him up front as you would. So I don't know if, if you know that you sort of feel like the presence of Wayne Rooney might be quite a significant thing in our thinking on Saturday. Um, they haven't quite pushed him back into the dugout yet, then. <laughs> no, not yet. And then I heard his, his post-match interview. He sounded so incredibly down about the whole situation, Rooney. So yeah, well, hopefully we can sort of uh, continue that for him on Saturday. Oh yeah, we'll be coming on to the Derby game. Don't worry, uh, in a tickle. Um, Mark Taylor, this is an interesting one. Are you worried that Daniel Farker might call it a day? Seems to be on the end of some harsh criticism. His squad is being ripped apart again and some fans expecting a rerun of the last promotion season. I'm worried he might start looking for greener grass elsewhere. Which is interesting, Steve, isn't it? Because, you know, he has had a lot of criticism and he's certainly not been immune to it in the last 12 months. Yeah, I I, I don't see it, or certainly not yet. Um, I think uh, Neil Warnock did, the same didn't he at Cardiff where they didn't start last season particularly well and he sort of felt like he'd obviously taken them as far as he can I I, I think the the bond between Farker and Weber is is still pretty strong um, Farker seems like the sort of person who would want to put right the wrongs of last season um, I, I can't see him jumping before he's pushed if, if it does eventually come to that I have to say having been to Lipstadt and, and spoken to a lot of people who work for, with Daniel for a very long time the idea of Daniel giving up on a contract I don't think it's really in his makeup to be honest in the same way as uh, I don't know if he'd get sacked <laughs> we will see we, 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 we will see. We, we've got him forever then is that what you're saying well and, until his contract runs out until it's um, got here until and then forever. everyone just walks I think that, that might be what happens but let's hope not now what we got here uh, two from Nick Dye um, hello there Nick uh, my question is uh, are there any stadium developments being mentioned given that we won't be using the ground for fans for a while the city stand for example I'm sure there is con- the construction will serve as a motivating factor for players and fans alike I mean I can definitely see the logic and Fulham are in the midst of that as well um, I think you'd probably have to donate the 30 million pounds yourself Nick that's probably the only the only issue and uh, I think we're we're in very different times to discussing um, 
developing Carrow Road anytime soon, to be honest. I think the club have got some serious uh, cash situation to sort out, like every football club in the country at the moment. Uh, a second question. Does anyone else watch the training videos put out by Norwich City through their fingers, hoping Todd and Ben or any other player are not sulking slash looking like they are beyond it? I suppose, A, it's whether they're actually in the videos or not. It's probably the first port of call. Uh, I think Norwich are quite savvy. I think if Todd Campbell was um, sort of sulking in the corner, I don't think he'd make the edit. Um, but hey, it's always good to watch for just in case. So I admire the dedication to it, Nick. Um, David Spinks. Oh, good, a good stream here because I replied to David halfway just checking. I was okay to answer the questions and then he came back with a couple more. So uh, let's remind ourselves. I don't mind Campbell going for a good fee, but if we lose Buendia, we can kiss goodbye to automatic promotion. We'll never adequately, adequately replace him whilst being in the championship. Uh, do you rate McLean, Michael? Uh, if so, can you please let me know what qualities of his you rate at fault for the goal today, uh, which is uh, which was uh, Bournemouth uh, dreadful in the first two league games too. Um, I mean, like, Kenny's dynamism last season was was far beyond any of his teammates, and and his use of the ball at bizarrely at a higher level was was excellent and he, he would be able to win the ball back and really take responsibility maybe because he was given a bit more time on the ball which he then doesn't get in the championship and under that pressure he's maybe a little bit more ragged um david spinks continues or also uh, what has Leitner done to not even get a squad number i thought he was excellent against newcastle when we won 3-1 which of course incidentally was the last time todd campbell made an assist <laughs> so i just uh, just throw <laughs> that one in um he's uh, definitely good enough for the championship and where is Steeperman? Well, I think we've answered that one, but thank you so much for your questions, David. Appreciate those. Um, oh, and I think we're done. So um, keep them coming, guys and girls. Um, send them in via a DM, if you wish, over Twitter. The handle is at Michael J. Bailey. And um, over the course of the year and season, we will definitely be answering a lot of your questions. Wouldn't it be great if every clothing store you shopped at had only your size, the styles you like, and everything at the price you want. Well, Stitch Fix is a company focused on doing just that. It's an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes you love simple. It's a completely different way to shop, and it's all about you. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk athletic to set up your profile, and they'll deliver great looks personalized just for you. You'll pay a £10 styling fee for each fix, which is credited towards anything you keep. Schedule at any time with no subscription. Delivery and returns are completely free and easy, so you can always send back items that aren't right for you. Get started with Stitch Fix today by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. I will be at Carroll Road on Saturday for Norwich's visit from struggling Derby for the Athletics. So make sure you keep an eye out on the app and website for all my live and considered Norwich content, our match day discussion page, and plenty more besides. I don't entirely know. I know you asked this a moment ago, Fionn. I don't entirely know how Derby are playing, but I know that they've lost their first three games. They've scored once and conceded seven. I mean, Fionn, you've been on the Along Come Norwich podcast a few times, so that it, it does really feel like a bit of uh, an Along Come Norwich moment. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, but yes, Sorry. it will be. Um, and uh, we don't have the best record against it. We are at home, aren't we? Are we we at home? are. Yes, I see. It doesn't even matter anymore. Um, oh. But yeah, the, the previous meetings with Derby um, have involved... At least the floodlights can't go out this time. Well, you <laughs> mentioned that. I mean, that is the last time Norwich lost uh, a championship game in the league at Carrow Road. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, they haven't played. I don't know. I, oh, no, no, they have played a lot. They played all of the second half of that yeah. season that day. Yeah, yeah, that was between Christmas and New Year, that game, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about that record against Derby myself. It seemed to bizarrely never really turn up against them at Carrow Road. Um, looking at their team, like it, it does seem to be Wayne Rooney surrounded by a bunch of uh, young kids, basically, um, <laughs> yeah, who are yeah. probably not much more than half his age. Um, I kind of thought that would work for them this season, so I don't quite know what has gone wrong. Obviously, I haven't watched them a lot, but um, they were 3-0 down within 15 minutes, although two of them were really good goals by Bradley Johnson. I don't know if anyone's had a, has seen them. Um, He's on but, fire. Yeah. He's on fire, Bradley. It's it's like 2015 all over again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to know at this early stage whether that's that's them having a blip and they're going to click into gear or not. And, I, you know, clearly going to still need to be on our game. Um, uh, Philip Koku, I would imagine it's his first return to Carrow Road since uh, playing for Vitesse Arnhem, I would have thought, in the UEFA Cup. That's what I'm saying in my head. I haven't checked it out, <laughs> but I mean, why, you know, it seems, seems right in my head. So um so that's exciting. I, I mean, I guess Derby are doing. I have looked at what Norwich have done and, got, and gone. Well, that's great. We need to bring on the kids. Um, it's not quite that straightforward. So it will be. Uh, will be interesting how it pans out over the season. But um, yeah, I think. Uh, I think Norwich do need to be at it on Saturday, um, which will make for for a lively ninety minutes, I'm sure, and the bit yeah, before. And- and I, to go back to the the previous um, question in the pre, in the previous section, I wouldn't, you know, I would keep talking about a back three, and it seems like they've never had the personnel to do it. Um, at least not in the last two seasons. Um, I wouldn't be averse to to seeing it. <laughs> we might have to wait a bit longer, but as Fionn said, it would be good to see Gibson, and um, it's not as if we're playing that well with a back four. So who knows? As I said, I, I, for, for all the complaints about Norwich's creativity on Sunday, which I completely get, if if they hadn't have conceded the goal, I, th- I think um, it, it might have been a uh, if if buts and maybe some that's you know, a redundant conversation really. But there we go. And, and in fairness, Daniel has played a lot of back three. Just seems reticent to start with it, which is yeah. interesting. But I'm, I'm sure Ben Gibson will be knocking on his office door this uh, week, saying, uh, "Give me a go now, Gaffer. I'm waiting. I'm waiting and ready." Well, I think that is time for the pod this week. Uh, on the ball, we'll be with you every step of the way this season. So make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The podcast is available. For, uh, for free for everyone uh, to listen to on your usual podcast player and ad free to subscribers of The Athletic via our app if you would uh, if you like what we're doing leave a review and a rating and please spread the word of our efforts across the Norwich City world if you'd like to get in touch as I mentioned earlier ask a question or propose a topic for discussion sling me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J Bailey is the handle in the meantime a big thank you to you Steve thank you very much cheers Michael uh, Fion, thank you so much. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the um, the ground hopping in these coronavirus times. Very much so, and I would recommend that anyone who is, uh, you know, feeling a bit missing football get to some non-league because it's it's good and it's there and it needs support. Yeah, well said. Too true. Um, lovely having you on, Fion. I hope we do it again very soon. Uh, we're back again next week for another on the ball in Norwich City podcast from the Athletic. Until then, never mind the danger. And breathe. There we go. Uh, did you enjoy that, Steve? Yeah, that was yeah, it was cracking. I mean, you know, <laughs> back to talking about defeats again. Uh, <laughs> but no, no, lovely to to um to meet Fionn and to uh, kind of chew the fat over 
the latest crisis in the transfer window. It was good. Anyway, yeah, yeah, weekly, basically. I mean, what everyone doesn't know is that I originally introduced a pod saying it was your first pod of the season, completely forgetting you'd been <laughs> on for the Huddersfield pod. I, I still don't know how I completely forgot about that, so sorry. Is yeah, it- I'm just... I, I feel like I, I need to do something a bit more exciting on, on, on every podcast now just to remind you that, that I, have, I have been on. <laughs> I think it's fine. I, I hate to leave it in, to be quite honest. But yeah, sure yeah. I, um, I, th- I think all I remember from that podcast was Jim Van White saying, you know, posing the trivia question of who his brother was, which, of course, we answered uh, in, in Wits End um, earlier in the season. Uh, Fionn, do you enjoy your debut? Yes, thank you. Very good. Debut with us, obviously, you're a seasoned Norwich City podcaster, but you know. apparently so. Yes, but yes, yeah, some more wins to talk about would be nice. Well, ne- next time you come on, uh, I promise you now it will make it a win. Good, I, 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 I'm over promising here, but you know, I'm, I'm used to that, so that's fine. Um, anyway, our fourth podcast is done of the season, so QR fourth wits end. Uh, welcome, all you lovely Twitterkers. Uh, if you're wondering what's going on, you'll need to listen to On the Ball podcast number 42. Uh, which Steve was probably on. <laughs> I don't know. No, maybe not. Um, which no, no, I wasn't on that one. one, before, one before. Uh, went live on September the 8th. It's all explained there. Uh, we have one rule. You don't talk about Wits End outside of Wits End. Uh, we do, however, have an email address um, straight into this secret and direct line of communication for this special segment of the pod. It is Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com. Uh, we've had a good uh, stream of emails uh, in, so keep them coming, and we'll be reading them out as we uh, progress over the coming weeks. Uh, remember the Wits End topics come and go but never end they never conclude uh, so you're always welcome to contribute whenever you find uh, yourself listening uh, to whichever bit you want to um you can also use the hashtag twitterkers hashtag twitter k-e-r-s in any social media post so long as you make no comment <laughs> or add any context as to why you've used it uh, so uh, the best of the hashtag usage this week uh, obviously historically the best we've had was uh, matt barrett's perfect tweet last week and i quote Wolf from Gladiators, hashtag Twitterkers. That's the sort of stuff we want. Uh, This week, uh, Matt Bradshaw. uh, Who else signed off with their best Norwich City game? So he's gone straight in there. We're starting a new topic, (laughs) suggesting Dear Mercy Umbakani, hashtag Twitterkers. Um, So we'll be revisiting that. If anyone out there can think of uh, a Norwich player who signed off with their best game. Club. Can I pick a, 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 a Oh, look, you've both got your hands up. Well done. Uh, Well, Fionn can go first because actually I've realised that mine's not very good. Oh, okay, well, I well, still want to hear it. <laughs> my, my, one, my one might be technically incorrect because it didn't turn out to be his last game, but surely Huckabee at home to Cardiff. You see, that oh, was, yeah. that, that that was, was exactly. his best game for us, I think, wasn't it? He absolutely yeah. ran, ran it that day. Yeah, he did against Cardiff. What a game. Um, and mine's technically not his best game, but my mind went to Wes scoring that goal against Leeds oh. and going off the pitch in tears. I mean, you know, it's kind of an obvious one, I guess. It was a great moment. Can anyone remember what Dio Mercy Bumbakani's final game was? Uh, I had to look it up. Oh, um, it must have been Watford at home. Did he score twice in that game? Oh, Steve, you've nailed that. Well done, it was. Who, who else could arguably claim that it was a decent final game for Norwich that day? Although they did play after that, so he might have played in this game. I haven't checked that properly. So, so maybe it might have been their last game. game. Oh, their last home game. Uh, what, they might have played in the Everton, Everton game. Away. Yeah, Everton away. They are, they probably Red, Red, Redmond. Yeah, I would have said Nathan Redmond. Yeah, um, I, I have it in my head that he played well that day, but you know, yes, it meant I nothing. Think <laughs> I think he scored. Did he also score? He did. Possibly. So he, he might did. be another one for that. 
<laughs> in that category. Exactly. Um, so if you can think of any other players whose final game for Norwich was their best, then um, I, I think that's a great subject. Well done, Matt. Yeah, I appreciate that one. Um, and obviously it's a topic. It's there now. It will never cease to be. <laughs> oh, yes. can, I, can I also have a, a, an extension of that? A player whose first game was their best. Um, and my, my initial nomination for that is uh, none other, obviously, than Ricky Van Bolswinkel. Yes. Um, well, yeah. And, I mean, and I've got a second one, actually. Sorry. Uh, Stephen Naismith as well. well and that's that, the that one. Marks back and uh, read Michael's interview. So plug for you there as well. Yeah, thank you. Well, you did it for me because I was going to say that. <laughs> Definitely read because he talks about it a lot, you know, how it okay. built up and then why it all unraveled. <laughs> so it's all there. Um, good old Stephen Naismith. Um, one of our other subjects, NCFC puns, um, a wholesome idea initially, but then got overtaken by uh, Norwich City COVID puns from last week by Ben Mount. So they did make the edit. I wasn't sure it was going to. Uh, um, so that was good. Uh, we had, what did we have? Uh, Omar Corona and uh, Virus Adichirafo, <laughs> as well as Serginho Dest and Trace. Um, so you can blame Ben uh, for all of those, because I'm not really considering it a laughing matter, but there we are, we are where we are. Um, but it did cue Freddie Gavita's tweet. I hope I've said that right, um, Freddie, uh, which was hashtag Twitterkers, Jens Bertel, Ber- Jens Bertel Maskew. That's not I've bad. Got, I've got a bit northern there, but Ma- Ma- yeah, Maskew. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of but, you know, I thought that worked. Um, and obviously the, the, win- the one that's winning at the moment is our last section of Wits End, which is, of course, any other business although i feel like we've talked about emmy quite a lot already um still no um handle at twitterkers uh, which i thought someone mm. might want to set up uh, twitter k-e-r-s but cue a message we got from uh, Chaz brett via dm who said that um you're not actually allowed to set up a twitter account with the word twitter in it therefore apparently not it's in it's in the rules so you can't actually, you, no one could set up Twitterkers. So which does, which does make us feel like we've probably gone with the wrong spelling. Yeah, <laughs> but, I feel a bit stupid now. You know, I didn't know that. There we go. Thank you so much for Chaz for sorting um, that out. Um, but it does mean, of course, we do have um, whoever set up the at NCFC Twitterkers account, which is um, T Whitaker S. Um, if that will make sense, uh, someone out the, in the world has set that up. Maybe it was maybe it was Chaz. Maybe he's trying to uh, justify his actions after you pulled him up on or someone well, pulled him up on his spelling. <laughs> I did ask Chaz that. Um, okay. He said it wasn't him, but they, okay. he may have tried to set up a different account. So we're going to have a whole sea of Twitter uh, accounts. Whoever it is, I hope we never reveal who they are. Can we? Can we just say it's Wolf and Gladiator for the, for the time <laughs> bit? I don't know what he's doing these days. So it could, it could be. Um, so anyway, yeah, at, at NCFC Twitterkers, spelt differently. Um, we'll, we'll sort of keep an eye on that. But if if any other ones pop up, um, obviously until they do something reprehensible, and then we're just going to have to ditch them on the quiet. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And we'll have to see. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, um, can I um, can I pick up a thread from last week that that Ben started? Uh, Jos Hoyveld. Um, yes. And, and by all means, by the way, if anyone else has got any completely other forgotten Norwich City players, then um, uh, we'd we'd like to know them. I'm certain. But um, I, I looked into a bit of Jos because, of course, I did to look at his record. Never never lost at Norwich City. Six games, never lost. Not I was going to say I had. You know what I had? That he, I did also have a look and I noted he played six games, but I hadn't realised he didn't lose a single one. Single championship no. game. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. The, the, the one memory that I have of Hoyveld is listening to a uh, well-known Norwich City local phone-in 
Um, you can say Canary after, Call. I'll say Canary Call then. Other, other sure local Norwich City phone-ins are, are available, <laughs> although they probably aren't. Um, <laughs> and it was the game we won away at Brentford, 3-0 in the, um, under Neil Adams. And I remember people calling and going, Hoyville and Turner. This this is going to be the partnership that they're going to they're going to take us up. We're going back to the promised land with these two, uh, and they played four more games together, and then they were both uh, jettisoned. Their final game, oh Hoyville's final game was the three three at home to Brighton. After which point, I think Neil Adams had seen enough. Yeah, so. that was that was quite a lively one. That one. Um, yeah, Yoss is in our Norwich City things we forgot ever happened, which um, which uh, Ben again brought up. Yoss Hoyveld completely forgetting he played. I was wrong in thinking he'd played against Millwall. He never did play against Millwall. He just went and joined Millwall <laughs> uh, on loan <laughs> afterwards from Southampton. Um, so I don't know if you can remember. Are there any things that you forget forgotten that ever happened at Norwich City, Fion? <laughs> Which is difficult because I'm asking you to remember them. Forgotten and then remembered. Yeah, I think the 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 one that that obviously I I will never forget because it's so entertaining. But I think maybe the the world has forgotten is um, that that quite entertaining preseason friendly in uh, must have been about 2014 when we when we offended that Italian team by saying that we played them and beaten them 13 nil and it turned out it wasn't them. It was it was some sort of group of local villages or something and uh, I remember it was quite a big news story at the time but sadly sadly now forgotten but I think uh, I think we, we should we should go and give them another game sometime <laughs> good for the confidence I, I think Alex Tetty went on and on about that game and he did a press conference with us like several weeks later where he just said for oh, that shit team in Italy and it was that was that, that was the quote. Um, that's a direct quote. Apologies if you're offended by swearing, but you know you should laugh at that because it um, yeah it went down in history. I, maybe after ask Alex Tetty about that again. Yeah, I, I think Ben Ben was press officer during that game as well. He didn't organise it, did he? <laughs> I hope not. I I just wonder at what point did the penny drop that um, actually these aren't these are that just a shit team in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I, I think there was a bit of it during the warm up. to be honest, cause they all turned up in their own clothes and, and didn't have any kit. And I think they started looking across going, uh, what this lot up to. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, maybe there's a feature to be written in that, that I should get on, uh, get on with and do. Um, I think that'd be quite a good one. I want to talk about Jos Hoyveld's um, debut, but I think I'm going to save that for another wit's end. Um, so maybe we'll do that for another week, but uh, any other uh, Jos Hoyveld or things you've forgotten or city memories, um, fling them in. I did also want to flag up. We haven't had any on, on this yet, but if there are any um, agony aunt questions, they don't have to be about supporting Norwich. But I do really want to, um, uh, you know, they can be about anything. <laughs> but in terms of Norwich City Agony Aunt questions, we want to hear them. So get them in the email, which is, of course, uh, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com. Um, what else did we have in here? Oh, yes, I was going to um, discuss Chandler's email that we did have. He sent this in. So I think this was for, this was for um, underrated most underrated Norwich City players from the past 10 years, um, which again is inspired by Stephen Whitaker to a degree in central midfield, not at right back. Um, uh, Fion, if you've got any uh, suggestions for most underrated Norwich player of the last 10 years, you can have a think while I read this uh, email out um, from Chandler. Chandler, Els Becker. Thanks for getting in touch, Chandler. Uh, Michael and Co. Uh, in the 2014-15 season, while Johnny Howson was injured, I became quite fond of Gary O'Neill. He was unspectacular, but filled in so much better than I expected. And for that, he became a favourite down that doomed stretch. 
and then against Chelsea, his forehead memorably became acquainted with Robbie Brady's teeth. He's put pictures in the email, by the way. It's brilliant. Um, For I believe the rest of this season, he wore a bandage, which was in itself somewhat amusing, but did not compare to the hilarity of the wild-eyed look he had had re-entering the match. Fortunately, I was able to find the screenshot I took of it at this time. So here it is. And and there, you might not be able to see it, but... uh, There he is. Ah, yeah, fantastic. Looking pretty wild. Looks pretty wild there. Uh, For the rest of the season, I gave O'Neill a nickname. In a tribute... Now, this might go over everyone's head. It went over mine. In a tribute to the classic Saturday Night Live sketch, Massive Head Wound, Harry, in which uh, Dana Carvey, playing the uh, titular Harry, (laughs) attends a cocktail party and and disgusts his fellow guests with the bleeding hole in his head. Gosh. Uh, I lovingly called him Massive Head Wound Gary. Uh, however, the audience for Gary O'Neill jokes in America, particularly those based on 90s Saturday Night Live sketches, was not very large. So until now, this nickname was just for me and my brother. It may not land with you, sorry, uh, but I thought I would share it, which is exactly what Witsend is all about. Thanks for all your great coverage, Chandler. Uh, absolutely. Wow. Thank you for your email, Chandler. That That's is wonderful. fantastic email. Um, um, it, it's it's a small Venn diagram, isn't it? Um, Saturday Night Live sketch fans and Norwich City fans. But what a brilliant email. And also covers the things you've forgotten had ever happened uh, segment as well, because I'd completely forgotten that Gary O'Neill cut his head open on Robbie Brady's teeth. Um, and uh, Yes, indeed. And uh, the idea was he was supposed to stay, wasn't he? But then uh, he ditched Norwich after relegation and ended up going to Bristol City for two years to try and get them promoted. Uh, and now and now he's like assistant manager at liverpool or something isn't he first team coach at the european champions oh good for him um did did is that enough time for theon to think of an underrated (laughs) (laughs) yes i do have one steve morrison has anyone said him yet oh steve morrison he got got a bit of stick but when you think of that that 2011-12 season i remember just after christmas we had a couple of away games at qpr and west brom where he scored late winners in both, I think, uh, and that we were like we were talking of Europe then. We were we were quite high up the table, um, and then the equaliser at Arsenal, um, mm. right near the end of that season. I love that goal. We were it's right behind big, it in the press box. The third goal, uh, entire away end went absolutely crazy, uh, and then he's sort of cupping his ear in front of it, which is also brilliant. Because <laughs> he, he got a lot of stick, which I thought was was unwarranted. Um, um, we we spoke to him during lockdown. You're doing my um, plugging job for me. Sorry, yes, listen, yes, listen, listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. We spoke to Steve Morrison. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, read the Stephen Naismith article, then listen to the Steve Morrison podcast if you've got time this evening. Um, but I kind of fanboyed him by sort of telling him that he had one of the best um, kind of starts. Or I think one of the best records to quickest to get to ten goals for Norwich City in the Premier League, um, and he seemed totally unbothered like that <laughs> so, hey, could have been if, less interested in that stat <laughs> if uh, if he's not going to let the stick get to him he's not going to let the praise get to him steve i'm afraid that's fair, just, they're, fair. They're, they're two sides of the same coin um so there we go uh, there's one last thing i wanted to ask you fion uh, which number or which name would you have on the back of your norwich shirt would i have now or yeah. have I ever? well yeah there's gone two answers okay i've only ever had one name on the back of the shirt yeah which was Paul McVeigh oh. in the 2001-2 playoff Lucky season. Paul. Yeah, he was my favourite. I really liked him. Um, and that, that, I, would have, I would have got that shirt Christmas 2001, I think. So it would have been just as we were sort of on the, 
the only success I'd ever known at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I was, yeah, I, I, I liked, I liked little Paul McVeigh. Um, yeah, in terms of having a player now, I don't know, probably, probably the longest possible one because you want to get lots of, lots of names and numbers on there. So Zidman and I'd have lots of letters. Love it. That's brilliant. That'll do for me. Um, I've already revealed my Raid Award shirt. Um, I'm not going to, uh, well, Neil Adams, I've got Neil Adams on the back of a shirt as well. I should probably get him to sign it at some point. <laughs> well, I, <don't> know. <laughs> I mean, he seems too nice to rib you for it, but yeah. <laughs> I think, I think as a grown man, that might look a bit awkward, but you know, I, why not go for it? What's the worst that could happen? Hey? Um, it probably leaves us with Emmy of a business um, as coined by John Rogers. Thank you for that pun. Um, anything else that anyone wants to bring up? There is no pressure. You don't have to. I would say, as as it's been a week of discussion about players moving on to bigger and better things, inverted commas, um, a moment for James Madison's goal against Man City, yeah. which was an amazing goal, and I think uh, feel a, feel a, a little bit of pride that that he's uh, that he's doing that, and uh, hopefully we'll be feeling the same way about Todd and Emmy should they go on to better things, but I'm not sure. That would be good, wouldn't it? I um I kept falling asleep in my Bournemouth hotel, having worked after the game. I I so I don't think I've seen the goal yet. Oh, I don't think I've, I've, I've the, the the that by that point of match of the day two, basically when it started, was all a hazy mishmash of funny handball calls and lots of goals, and I can't really remember any of it. So um, I'm going to tuck into that tonight. Uh, The one last thing I wanted to mention was Adam Brandon, who pulled me up on Twitter for my dismissive line last week. Uh, Hello, Adam, by the way, uh, that I didn't want to see Skip and Teddy alongside each other in the championship, which maybe is underplaying the fact that Ollie Skip could play slightly higher up the pitch. He made me me think about that. And I thought, you know what? Fair point. So, um, never ever rule out Teddy. Never, I never. I was going to mention that in the main podcast, and then realised we discussed it in Wits End last week, so I couldn't. <laughs> so I had to wait until now. <laughs> but that is the joy of Wits End. What stays in Wits End, you know, you get the, you get it. Uh, we're done. Uh, Fion, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, uh, Steve. As always, absolute pleasure. Yeah, for my second appearance, I've really enjoyed it. Cheers, yeah, was it? I can't remember the first one. So um, we'll see you next week. Um, have fun, Twitterkers. Enjoy yourselves. And uh, let's see who uh, gets linked with where by this time next week. Mm-hmm.